So the first question that you guys came up with them, for them is how do you overcome your fear when God is asking you to do something you're afraid to do? And I'm going to kind of combine that with the next one too because there are a lot of questions just around how do you fight and overcome your fears about various things like rejection and money problems and loneliness, death, and etc. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have some wisdom to share on just how do we, how do we overcome our fears. Yeah, so I'll take this one um, first. Uh, but I have to use notes. I have to organize my thoughts or I'll talk all night long. So be glad that I have them. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to say is just that it's okay to be afraid. Like there's nothing wrong with being afraid. When we see Jesus in the garden, it seemed like he was afraid. He was asking God that he not have to go through what he was about to go through to take it away from him. But Jesus didn't let being afraid stop him from doing what God was calling him to do. And so I think that's the thing we have to remember is that fear is a problem when it rules our lives and our decisions. And so growing up, I was very fearful. And I was very fortunate to have parents who would challenge me through that. So they never forced me to do anything I was afraid to do, but rather they challenged me to think through what would be the consequences of not doing something and what would be the benefits of doing something? And they helped me to prepare the best that I could. They taught me to be cautious and they taught me to be smart. And so I learned how to conquer my fears. They also taught me how slim the chances of what I was afraid of happening were. And so that I was putting a lot of power in the hands of fear. But do you know what my parents never said to me? They never said, you won't get hurt. They never said that nothing awful would happen to me. Because they can't promise that and nobody can promise that to us. And so we are taking risks in living life and in doing what God is calling us to do. But what God promises is that he will never leave us, that he'll walk with us through whatever it is, and that he will give us the strength and the courage and the comfort that we need to walk through those things. And there's a song out by Toby Mac right now that's called Faithfully. And the lyrics to that song, I think, speak really well to what it means to act in the face of fear. And he starts it out by saying, it's been a hard year. It almost took me down. And then he says, but when my world broke into pieces, you were there faithfully. When I cried out to you, Jesus, you made a way for me. I may never be the same man, but I'm a man who still believes. When I cried out to you, Jesus, you were there faithfully. In my darkest hour, you met me so quietly, so gently. You said you'd never leave and you stood by your word so quietly so gently in all my pain you met me you said you'd never leave and you stood by your word and that's what god promises us when we feel afraid so i just had a couple of quick things i wanted to give you as practicals on this one the first one is to think about what god has done in the past Romans 15.4 tells us that the things that were written were written to encourage us, to put courage into us in the face of fear. And so thinking about what he's already done in your life. The second one is to talk to God about it. 
And I use scripture a lot to talk to God when I'm, especially when I'm feeling very emotional as I'm talking to him. And Psalms 143 is one that's become really near and dear to my heart. And this is just part of it. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. I'm losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. I ponder all of your great works. See, here's that remembering what he's done. And think about what you have done. Because of your faithfulness, lead me out of this distress. I am your servant. The third one is to use your fighting words. You have to fight against fear or it will rule your life. Right. And your fighting words are the truth of scripture. Yeah. You've got to know scripture and you've got to be able to combat fear with the truth. So use your fighting words. One of mine is Psalms 56.3. When I am afraid, I'll trust in God. And it's short, and I can remember it, and I can repeat it over and over to myself when I'm feeling fearful and when I want to push through that. And then the last one is ask other people to pray for you. Sometimes fear um, can really stifle our prayers to God. Like we become so fearful we're afraid to talk to him because we're afraid he's going to tell us to go ahead and do what we don't want to do. And so getting other people to step in and step in the gap for you and hold your arms up as you try and do what God's calling you to do and push through the fear is a good thing. Amen. The, I'm, I'm told, I've never gone through and counted, but I can verify there's a lot of them. One of the most common commands in our scripture is to not be afraid. And, and bravery is not the absence of fear. It's the overcoming it. Um, fear is, is something, it's a gift from God, but it's a very defensive emotion we've been given that sends up yellow flags. It flashes red lights at us and says danger. Um, but we've also been given an executive brain to, to read those signals and say, you know, what is this and why am I feeling this fear? Uh, so that we can face it down. What Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 is helpful to me. He says, beginning in about verse 4, he says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Yeah. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Yeah. And you know, fear is a very defensive emotion. It, it, it causes us to defend. But we as God's people are not just on the defense, we're on the offense. And God calls us to go do things. Uh, and, and so we, we have to fight with the weapons that he gives us. In fact, he goes on to, to say, concerning these strongholds, he says, we, we tear down or we break down. Um, every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And, and what's happening when you, you fear something has triggered something within your ancient God-given human self that tells you to wake up, alert, there's something out there, there's a threat. But then God has given you an executive brain 
that allows you to think about those things. That's why it's important, as Leslie talked about, to develop your knowledge of God. Because God doesn't promise us that we will never suffer. And what he says is, don't fear the one that can destroy the body. Well, he didn't say, not instinctively, not want to get killed. Remember, Jesus is asking God, sweating blood, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus, as a human, he was fully God and fully man, is saying, I don't want to do this. His every instinct was not to not just die, but not be tortured to death. He was tortured to death, and, and yet he faced it down each time by saying, but not my will, but yours be done. You trust God over yourself. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 31, the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what he commands. That's why it's important. You know what needs to happen. And then you know whatever happens is what needs to happen. If you're a child of God, you can bet if you need it, you have it. And if you don't have it, you don't need it yet. You just don't need it. Our biggest fear is not that we won't get what we need. It's that we won't get what we want. And that is playing God. Often what you want, you don't need right now. Or maybe not at all. Right? Is that black church? as disciplined God is treating you as his child yeah. you're going to go through hardship your generation is being played by society and you're listening to them you're listening to the wrong voices and this social media that you guys are addicted to is killing you it's killing you and you're killing each other you're feeding these fears this you're bombarded constantly with stuff. You know? And God just says, be still. Peace. Shalom. Stop. Cease striving. And know that I'm God. Jesus is Lord over the nations. Jesus is Lord over the evil spirits. Jesus is Lord over nature. Jesus is Lord over my sin. Because my sin is now his sin. Jesus is Lord. You see, that's why Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's not talking about happy. He's talking about this is what I'm going to think about. David said, I meditate on your word day and night. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. That's what I'm going to do. 
And I can tell you as one who's had his life threatened by his own dad, who had to protect his sisters from his own dad, who had reason to be afraid, who woke up with a dad brandishing a shotgun in the house, and I know some of you have probably seen worse. I know what fear feels like. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing, but you overcome it with faith. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness. And what he's really saying there is your lack of harriedness, your lack of franticness, your lack of fear. Let it be evident to everyone. God is near. That's why when the boat was shaken and the, the apostles were going crazy and Jesus is sleeping and they're waking him up and saying, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? You ever felt that? And he basically translated into okay English. He said, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Where's your faith? And then he just looks up and he said, stop. Peace. Shalom. Stop. And then they go to the other end of the boat and say, who is this man? That even nature obeys him. Well, I'll tell you who he is. He's Yahweh in the flesh. He's Emmanuel. That's why he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be fearful. Don't give in to it. That doesn't mean your fear is not going to arouse, but don't you, don't you back down. Yeah. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, our God can deliver us from your fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to that idol over there. Yeah. Read our lips. This is what we're doing. That's bravery. You think they wanted to go into that fiery furnace? I don't think so. It's Daniel saying, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not backing down. You can throw me in the lion's den. I'll go in there. You think he wanted to go in the lion's den? Do you think the martyrs that have gone before us wanted to do that? The people that went out and dragged in plague victims back into their house in Europe and took care of them knowing that somehow people were catching that when the other pagans were throwing their family out there alive to die in gutters? Do you think they weren't afraid? That's our legacy. It's Jesus. When they saw the bravery, the courage of the apostles and realized they were just unschooled, ordinary guys, they took note these people had been with Jesus. People need to take note of you that you've been with Jesus. They need to see the fire in your eyes. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We, we live beyond. We know who made those elements up there. We know who arranged them in order. We know what that's all about. We know who the Lord of science and psychology is. Have no anxiety about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So finally... If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You're going to feel what you think. And you need to look and see who you're letting decide what you think about. And, and society right now is in turmoil. But what we're going to do is be peacemakers. 
we're going to be peacemakers. And we're not going to back down from society. And I'm so proud to see you guys here tonight. That's what you're doing. You're showing up on a Thursday night to be God's people on campus where a lot of people don't much care. Fear, it's, it's got a formula to it. In every instance, your mind is going to develop what's called a schema. If you've taken a little bit of psychology, the fear of the emotion just needs to factor into that formula. But you've got to know what those things are. And you've got to know how to take those thoughts captive. I'll share one example and then I'll move to the next question. My daughter, Brianna, is our youth pastor of CTF in Wiley now. Brianna and my daughter-in-law, Jamie Ann, were two of the founding students of the UNT ministry. So I got to come up here. I'll tell a story about Brianna. Brianna struggled with anxiety. She's my only girl. Uh, she, she had three older brothers, so there were things to be scared of in our house for her. But she's tougher than all of them, trust me. Uh, but uh, she's got some struggles with anxiety naturally. You know, just natural triggers. And now she's got two little girls, and so she's got, you know, triplicate of things she can be anxious about. So she'll call me, and she knows how, she knows how this schema goes. She'll say, um, you know, I've got this, I've been having this headache. And, and of course, anytime anybody says a headache, they're worried about a brain tumor. And, and I'll say, Brianna, here's the deal. You could have a brain tumor, and you could be checking out today. It could even be an aneurysm. And you could be getting ready to die right now. But the likelihood is, you're, you've got some stress and you're dehydrated. <laughs> but it's about a 0.001% chance you've got an aneurysm, so I would really worry about that just in case. <laughs> and she just kind of laughs, and I, I go through the same schema every time. And that's what Leslie was saying. You tell yourself the truth. But the truth is not that she couldn't have a brain tumor. That's, she could, right? And, and sometimes that happens, but the majority of times it doesn't. So you start with, okay, here's an emotion. Why am I feeling this? Is that rational? Because so many of our fears are irrational. And, and a lot of that can be dispelled with just good rationality. And then the second thing is, if it is, what are you going to do about it anyway? Somebody was asking me about all the news on TV. I, I got really chewed out because I wasn't reacting enough about the Israel-Gaza thing. Well, I'm a very educated man, and I follow the news, and I know a whole lot about what's going on. You got what I'm saying? Now, the most I can do is say, God, please. Have mercy on that area and bring peace to those people. That's the most I can do. The least I can do is grinch about it, somebody. I don't. But, you know, we, we, if I can't do something about it, I'm just going to pray about it. And then I'm going to go do something that I can do something about. Text somebody that I love. Help somebody. Talk to somebody. But our... People want to control our minds. So they want to get us reacting so they can run us like a you know, herd of buffalo off a cliff. 
which is how the American Indians would kill a lot of the bison out in countries where there are mesas that go up like this. They'd run those bison up and get the whole herd going and then they'd just run off a cliff. And, you know, the ladies were down there, you know, dressing up these bison. Cutting them up and here we go. Bison had no idea what was going. That's going on with you, especially college students. You're being incited and you're being scared everywhere you look to try to get you to run off a cliff. And, and none of those people are worried about you. The false prophets lead you to them. The true prophets always have led you to him. And that's who you need to be listened to. Okay, I'll stop there. Now you guys know why I said we're only going to get through a couple questions. Whatever. Let me say this. I will stay as late as you guys want out here and answer questions. So we'll do this here, but I'll, I'll talk to you. So... I can't speak for less. <laughs> I'm going to skip one, and I'm going to ask, how do you find the proper balance of casting your fears of the future on God, as well as staying vigilant in planning of your future? I'll you. Yes, sir, I think it's pretty evident that God has given us the ability to think, and the ability to plan, and the ability to make decisions. And I don't think that he's against that. But what I think he is against is this. Look here. You who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and we will make a profit. How do you know what will happen next year? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is... If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. See, we don't have to fear if our plans fail because God is working for our good. Because he knows what we need. Because he's with us. He says in Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So the question is not, should I plan or should I not? The question is, who do you trust? Do you trust yourself or do you trust God? And Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, I memorized it in the message, is my go-to scripture for this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for his voice everywhere you go in everything you do. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. That's a really hard one for me. Don't assume you know it all. I want to know it all. I don't know about you, but I want to know it all. But don't assume you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. And that's what I think that God wants us to do in planning, is he wants us to plan. He's given us the ability to do it. But he wants us to trust him and not ourselves. Amen.
Philippians 2, um, verse 12 and 13, he, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, um, there, there's a really healthy fear of God. You know, it's like a really, it's important to have some people around you, friends, that you don't want to mess with. You know what I'm talking about? If you're being stupid, they'll hurt you. They'll hurt you. You know, that's who God is. He loves you fiercely. I tell my kids growing up, I said, you know, I'm going to present you to adulthood a certain way, and you don't want to mess with me. So, when you become an adult, and that means you've gone forth and you're supporting yourself, then you can make decisions. You can get all the tattoos you want. But as long as I'm paying, you're not getting tattoos. That's a big decision what you mark your body up with. And it's pretty scary, some of you at your age, putting this stuff on your body. It's like, you realize how stupid you are right now? And, and you're letting that person draw on your body for a lifetime? I'm, I'm being a little bit kidding here. But I'd say, you get a tattoo and I will peel it off. You get an earring and I will cut it off. Now this was back in the day. It's okay now. I'm okay with earrings now, but it was kind of edgy back then, you know. And I, I would tell them, and you don't even want to know what I'm going to do if you have sex before you're married, because it might be the last time you have. <laughs> well, my kids knew that I was kidding about the consequences. But they knew not to mess with me. You've got a dad at home that's fierce. And I'm looking out for you. And I want to deal you, deliver you into adulthood. Where you can make your decisions. And I'll respect it. I told them that. I will respect your decisions. You listen to your mom and me. And you'll do exactly what you think God wants you to do. And I don't want to run your life. But I don't want you to ruin it. Well, you're young. So let's just work together. And God is that way. God's saying, don't you mess with me. And he said to Israel, if only you had listened to my words, your peace would have been like a river. And your righteousness like the waves of the seas. But as it is, you're going to go off into slavery. That's what's happening to you. And I warned you. And you still did it. So, you know, when he says work out your salvation, he's really talking about sanctification. Not earning your salvation. Learn to listen to your God and to listen to Him. Guys, you've got to get to know Him. The God that so many people talk about, He's not real. They made Him up. You know, I know God and He is so good. So, so good. If only you would listen to Him. Now, I'm not talking about what religion says here. I'm talking about God. And you've got to cut through all of that. And you've got to get to know Jesus really well. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God is working in you to will and to act for his good purposes. God will work through anything in your life except nothing. You need to, need to work at it with him. 
have four kids. They all love God. They're all pastors. I've got six grandkids now. I wondered, there was days I wondered if I would ever get married. If I could be married. I was so messed up. You know, God, God is that good. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So, you know, Jesus gave us the formula. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And he said, what you need, not what you want. Everything you need will be given to you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let me tell you what. If you seek first the kingdom today, you're going to be best prepared for the world tomorrow. And you'll make wise decisions. Wise decisions. I wish I could talk a lot more about this psychology of fear and thinking, but I don't have time in here, so I'll just stop right there. Yeah, I mean, I hope you guys are like writing good notes, and I really, more of you guys pull out your phones or whatever, don't get distracted by like writing notes. I, I think this stuff is so, so valuable, what they're saying, and I think you guys are getting that, but. Um, Okay, this next one is, how do we talk to people about fear and anxiety without invalidating their feelings, but also pointing them to Jesus? Yeah, so I think, I think I'm tangled up here is what I think. Um, I think the first thing that you have to do is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. When you're talking to somebody that is fearful and anxious and hurting. They don't need you jumping in with a bunch of things to tell them. They need you to listen to them. Jumping in and fixing things for them is what invalidates their feelings. But listening to them, letting them say what they need to say and express what they need to express validates how they feel and then allows you to come in and speak truth to them. The second thing is I always try and ask people, are you open to input on that? Because if they don't want to hear what I have to say, then I'm not going to say it to them. It's going to waste their time. But if they are interested, then I'm going to go ahead and share wisdom with them. And I'm going to say things like, I know you're fearful. I know you're anxious. And I know that's hard. But you've got to fight back. Fear and anxiety will control your life if you don't. I will tell them that the root of fear and anxiety is lies. Guys, the times that I've had some of the hardest times in my life were when things in my life were going so good. And Satan came in and said, this isn't good. Nothing's good. Bad things are about to happen. You better be worried about that. You better be scared about that. And it wasn't the truth. It was a big lie. And so if I know that fear and anxiety are rooted in lies, my best weapon in defense is truth. And who is truth? Jesus is full of grace and truth. And who is the liar? Satan is the father of lies. And so truth is our weapon. One of the things that I started doing um, when I was in a really difficult time of grief and going through the different cycles of anger and depression 
was I started writing a truth of the day. And so every day at the top of my journal or the top of a piece of paper laying around, whatever it was, I asked God, show me what my truth is today. And I would write that there, and then that gave me one piece of truth to think about all day long. As fear came back, as anxiety came back, I could repeat that piece of truth and ask God to appropriate that in my life that day. And I found that really helpful. So teach people to use their fighting words. Teach them to use scripture and teach them to use truth to root out the lies that fear and anxiety tell them. And then the last one is be compassionate. The scripture says over and over again about Jesus that he saw them and he had compassion on them. It never says he saw them and he was so frustrated with them because they couldn't understand why God was going to take care of everything. He had compassion on them. He understood what it was like to be afraid and to be anxious. And he knew how desperately they didn't want to live that way. And so he was compassionate, and we need to be compassionate with people as well as we tell them the truth. Well, I think everything she said exactly. Leslie's really, really, really good at what she just talked about. Um, so I would tell you if you want to ask somebody else um, more questions about that, just practically. Um, talk to her some more about that or listen and talk to people. Um, I think with any feeling, it's just, I don't, I don't have to play God with people. If you tell me you're afraid, you're afraid. If you tell me you're angry, you're angry. I don't need to, you know, worry about that. It's like, you know, if somebody says, I'm really feeling a lot of anxiety, I'll just say, what's going on? You, you know, we talk about validating people's feelings. I don't, I don't want people to feel like I need to validate your feelings. You don't need me to tell. It's okay for you to feel that way. I, I'm not God. I don't. I can understand. And I think that's where we just understand. Tell me about that. I do a lot of counseling. A lot of counseling. And that's um, why I hear that. People, we get afraid. So I, I just start asking questions. But... The, the best thing for us in dealing with fear, fear is a very, it's, it's a very lower brain uh, emotion that we feel, just like anger. That's why that James says, man's anger does not produce God's righteousness. You're, you're working on instinct here. And, you know, the spirit opposes the flesh to keep you from doing what you would do. And that's why he would say in your anger, Paul would say, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't harbor that. Because it, it's going to cause you big problems. Both fear and anger are very negative emotions. Very necessary, but they're very negative. And you've got to get through them really fast. So when people are, are fearful, talk to them. Have you, have you, has it been this way long? Is there something going on? Because there is a kind of systemic anxiety or fearfulness that some people have. People that are naturally more timid are going to be a little more fearful. That's, it's normal. Um, 
And so you just, you, you know, you just listen to what they're feeling and ask them, has, have, you, have you found anything that's really helpful with your fear? You know, do you think your fear is, is pretty rational? Or do you think it might be irrational? And you just identify with it. I say, I, you know, I've found that a lot of my fear, I've written a book on depression. I told you guys at the, the, the retreat, I've, I've had a lifelong of dealing with depression and I have some, you know, post-traumatic stress. I will wake up every once in a while in the middle of the night. I've had a dream. And when growing up, there were things to be afraid of in the dark. Um, I developed some sleep stuff, but for the most part, I do really well. But every once in a while, it's it doesn't work, and I have to go to my strategies. Let's talk. Leslie talked about. See, you know, bravery is not the absence of fear; it's the overcoming it. It's the fighting your way through it. That's what you know. Confidence and bravery is. So you know, I just share, ask them the question about: Is that irrational? And, and talk to them about it. And then I teach people to bottom line it. What's the absolute worst thing that could happen here? Well, this and this and this. Okay, if that happens, what would you do? I call it bottom lining. Now, what do you think the odds are of that happening? Rationally. And usually going, well, they're not very high. It's okay. But, but you've already said, you know what you'll do if it did happen. Now let's set that aside. That's plan B. Now, your feelings are real. They're real. They're just real. But they're often not rational. They're often not right. So that's how we take thoughts captive. That means you're having this thought. I call them emotional thoughts. We call them feelings, but they're thoughts. That's where they're, they're coming from your brain. And you go grab that and say, what is this? What is this? I had a dream of something a seven-year-old was afraid of. I had a dream. I'm not seven. I'm 71 now. And so I can take that captive and say, I don't have to be afraid of that anymore. That's an irrational thing that's logged in my brain so I can set it aside. Like a piece of rotten fruit and say, I'm taking that out of the fruit basket. And throw it away again. Now fruit will rot again. If you leave it there long enough, just keep moving it. So it's just, it's talking to people. It's reasoning with people. It's preaching the word, but preaching the word is not about preaching at people. It's about every word of God proves truth. But you ask people questions like, what do you feel like you need from me right now? Now, is there something you can think of that I could do for you? Is there somebody else that has helped you through this before? What did they do? Or could you see them now? You know, we, we just saw a great, a great um, example. Sunday night, a bunch of dudes, you know, 23 to 35, right in that age range, 
performed at a football game in front of millions and millions and millions of people. And those millions of people actually think that game was really important. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You said it's not? We had some dudes over here, I thought it was too. No, I'm kidding. You know, I watched it. My wife has emotionally adopted Patrick Mahomes. He is now our son. I don't know how it happened, other than her watching that quarterback streaming series. She has now adopted him. And so we, my wife, who's never really watched much football, started asking me, does Kansas City play this Sunday? And I say, sweetheart, they play almost every Sunday. Well, what time? So we're watching Patrick Mahomes on but San Francisco kicked the field goal. He is a Christian. And Mahomes said, told his team on the sideline, he said, let's go win this thing. What you want to say to people is, let's go win this thing. Don't fear him that can destroy the body. Let's go win this thing. And by golly, that dude... I'm going to put it in anybody's hands. When they were talking about running, I said, don't, don't hand that sucker off. Let my homes have it. Because he's that guy. He's that guy. That's who Jesus is. You want to be that guy. You want to be that person. You know what I'm saying? This is the confidence we have. You know, our boldness comes from having this confidence. We are very bold. So, yeah, that's what I say. Breathe some spirit into them. Breathe some life on them. So let's go win this thing. Okay, maybe we can. And by golly, when you've got a leader like that, they go down and they win that sucker. In front of millions of people. And he could have been afraid. Like a certain quarterback that leads a team nearby here is in big games. I'm sorry if you like him. But I will say what I'm going to say until he wins one of those games, by golly. So let's go win this thing. Okay. I'm going to skip a couple of questions. Because uh, I think this one, yeah, I think it would be really interesting to hear y'all's opinion on So this question is, what are the ways you see fear impact our generation the most? What are the ways you see fear impact our generation the most? Yeah, I didn't have a ton to say about this question. Um, but I think one of the things I want to preface it with is I don't in any way, shape, or form want to imply that your generation is the only generation that has ever dealt with fear. It runs through every single generation. And so the question, how does this manifest in our specific generation, is a good question. Um, and I think that the biggest thing I see in terms of specifically relationship with God is just that this generation has a lot of fear of being hurt and a lot of fear of trusting people. And that bleeds over into their relationship with God. There is a lot of mistrust of God. There's a lot of mistrust that he can handle what concerns us. Um, and so I think specifically that's one. But then I see a lot of fear in like just kind of day-to-day -day things. So like a lot of people not wanting to get their driver's license 
um, being unwilling to have any kind of relationship, whether that's a friendship or whether that's a more romantic relationship because of, again, the fear of being hurt. Um, unwilling to do something that their parents didn't do or didn't teach them to do because it might be wrong. And I certainly don't want to be wrong, so I'm just gonna stick with what I've always known. Um, unwilling to help other people or to um, go to events or camps because they're afraid they're gonna get sick. Um, and what Ronnie mentioned before, I've thought about so often about people that, um, about Christians that took in people that had um, the plague and some other really awful diseases um, and took care of them knowing that most likely they would get it and die themselves and wondered how would our generation, how would this generation fare if God asked them to do that? Um, and my generation as well. I just think that's a pretty universal fear, actually. And fearful to ask for help, fearful to be vulnerable, fearful to consider another person's opinion without uh, getting really angry at them and assuming the worst about them. And, and I would just say that 2 Timothy 1.7 is kind of my rebuttal to these kinds of things, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power. He has given us a spirit of love, and he has given us a spirit of self-discipline. And that word self-discipline in 2 Timothy uh, that she's quoting there, 1-7, means mental balance. It means mind control. It's when everybody else is losing their head around you. You say, let's go on this. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to run. We're not going to run when the, when the wolf comes. That's the hirelings. Um, your generation has been made very soft by my generation. And I'm sorry. I really am sorry. The baby boomers have done a crappy job with you guys. <laughs> They've handed you a philosophy that is awful. It's the happy club. God wants me to be happy. We don't even know what happy is. We still haven't figured that out, but he wants us to be. Um, we don't know how to take a hit. You know? It's like, I, I'm the youngest of eight kids, and there was we had a no mercy rule in our house, um, very seniority. If I wanted to play basketball, I couldn't cry. I mean, my older sister literally broke my nose, knocked me off out in the stickers beside our basketball goal, which we were in the country, and there was a sticker patch. And I started to cry, and it was like, you know, not, do I think, well, treat people that way? No, I don't, but I'm glad that um, I, I grew up and had to be tough. You know, I put myself through college. I, you know, paid my way. Got several degrees. Um, I, we, we didn't get focus where it is by being momos. I walked on this campus when there was nothing here like focus. Asking God, how do we do this? I've been told what you could and couldn't do and why you couldn't do it and why young people were this and that. And 
I don't believe you have to lose your kids. And I wouldn't lose my kids. More than once, I would say to Satan, not this one. You can't have him. You can't have him. Greater is he that's within me than you. And you don't get him. And you, you stand up. But, but that's you guys have just been raised to be soft. And you have to learn mental toughness. You know, I, I, I wrestled with my kids. Because I wanted them to learn. You can get knocked down and not scream. You're okay. You're all right. So when my kids would fall, instead of going, ah, and running across the room, because a kid falls, they're going to fall and bang their head. They're going to look right at you. And if you go, <laughs> and a lot of you, that's what your parents have done. You fell and they screamed. And you learned to scream. But you're here. I don't see anybody that looks like your neck's broken. I don't, I think you probably all made it. You probably tore up some stuff, but you're okay. You know, you can take a hit. You can take a bump. I learned playing basketball. People, people think I played dirty basketball. Now, I know what dirty basketball looks at, looks like. Trust me, I was just tough. You know, you don't get the lane just because you want to come through it. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to earn it. And and that's the way I learned to play. And so I learned to live. I think we can build great ministries on campuses. But we can't do it with a bunch of momos that are worried about everything that social media tells you you ought to be upset about. Yeah. You know, we can't do it when you march to the drum of the Democrats or the Republicans or whoever else decides they're in charge. These people have one thing in mind and it's power. Let them do their deal. We're going to do our deal right here. We can take a hit. We can take a bump. But you've got to face down your fears. You're better than this. You're stronger than this. You're smart. You're intelligent. You're well-educated. You have lots of people around. You have lots of resources. Quit giving way to fear. Fight it. Fight it. You don't be that guy. Be that person. Let's go win this thing. Let's not be losers. We're going to go hide in the room. Not me. Not me. We're going to make the call. We're going to go out. You've been given the Spirit of God to live in you. You are a soldier of God. And you say to the world, you know, you can throw us in your fiery furnace, but we're not bowing down to your gods. There's something much bigger and much better. And the Christian church has a legacy of that. They're even telling you a bunch of crap about Christianity. Most of what the press tells you about Christianity is blown out of proportion or lies. The Christian heritage has been underground. The, the grassroots of Christianity across the board help people. They believe in people. They feed their neighbors. They don't need attention. And you stop listening to this stuff because it's Satan trying to turn you against God and against the things that help people. And it's not, when there are catastrophes, it's not going to be FEMA first there. And it's not going to be the Humanist Society first there. And it's not going to be the world religions first there. 
The Hindus have never sent anybody over here for one of our, one of our catastrophes. But go over there and see where all the helping organizations are and what their names are. It's going to be Christians. Every little church with a van is going to show up with water and food and fighters. That's who we are. And you've got to stand up and quit giving way to fear. If you didn't have good parents, well, line up. There's a whole lot of people who didn't have very good parents. But what you're going to do is go take care of those parents that didn't give you what you needed. You're going to be their strength in their old age. That's why Solomon, after all of his stuff, he concluded Ecclesiastes with saying, Remember, therefore, your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come, and you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And then he goes through ten more verses explaining what he's talking about. He's talking about when you don't see as well anymore. When you don't hear as well anymore. When your back hurts. When your knees hurt. And you shouldn't be raising your hands up. If you're doing that, it's because you've been lazy, sweetheart. I don't know what you started your day with most days, but I get up and work out. And I still hurt. And I still, you know, I can still dance. I can jump up and down. Low, low jumps, low jumps. But then he said, let me tell you what the conclusion of the whole thing is. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole purpose of humanity. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it's good or it's in it. That scripture converted me. Because I can, I can grab it. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is your purpose. It's like I got it. I got it. And for the last 50 plus years, that's what I've done. And, and, and that's why we build our ministry. Let's go win this thing. 